after second service today, they're going to have a brief camp meeting just to go over some of the things. I think the email got sent out, so you got it covered, right? Everybody that's right? Or no? It's not for everybody. None of you people can come. <laughs> it's our like a it's our it's our kind of our, our session where we talk about what went right, what went wrong, I think is what we're doing, and, and none of you people can come. So uh, I just want to let you know it's an exclusive meeting and you're not a part of it. I really should write down my announcements before I get up here. Next Sunday. That has nothing to do with them either, does it? Wow. That's all you need to know, all right? Oh. We pick up our story with the nation of Israel in chapter 17 of Numbers and um, had a couple rebellions rise and fall, and and that's how it works um, with the Lord. What the people had been missing out on and misunderstood was that it had nothing to do with the person who was in charge. Quit looking at the package, quit looking at the vessel, had everything to do with God's anointing. It's whomever God places his anointing, and it, that means it's his choice. Um, and he takes the anointing away, and he puts it on somebody else, and he'll do that throughout, well, throughout. He never stops doing that. He'll do that with Aaron and Moses, and, and he'll move to Joshua, and then he'll go through all the judges, and each one will get an anointing. And then he'll go through the kings, and each one of them will get an anointing, and it gets taken away and put on someone else. And It's God's choice. But they didn't get that. They can't get their mind around that. And so God tries to alleviate himself of their complaints. He says those exact words. In verse 1 of chapter 17, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses. Twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the, de- for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. The decision's already made. It's not, gonna, it's not a nail biter. Maybe it was for some of them. But he's already explained to them that, okay, everybody bring your rods in. We're all going to put them in there. Moses' rod is going to bloom, and then I'll be done with all of you. It'll be a miracle that you can hold on to because that's what the people needed. They needed to see a miracle, apparently. More miracles, more signs, more wonders to make sure that God is really, 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 really still with us, unfortunately. Instead of just following this miraculous pillar of fire, this miraculous pillar of smoke, you know, um, we need something different. So God says, here's my plan. Um, all you guys bring your rods. Everybody throw it in there. And uh, I'm going to try to rid myself of your complaints um, against you, Moses. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done hearing them. There's prayer requests that we make to God, and then there's complaints. God's not into complaints. Uh, he doesn't want us shaking our fist at him. He's not into uh, uh, this whole challenging thing. You know, I know he's got big shoulders, and, and there may be times in your life when you were low and you felt distant from God and you felt like he owed you some answers, and so you might have shaken your fist. And he's, he's a big enough God to put up with that for a while. But it's not to your advantage that he puts up with that. It's not a good thing that he puts up with that. And so eventually he's got to step in and say, look, it's important for you to know that I'm God. It's important for you to know that I'm in charge, that I have you in my hands, and uh, I'm not your genie to make wishes come true for you. 
It's important that you know that these things that I bring into your life are for your good, uh, to better you, to, to cause you to trust in me more. It's to your advantage. And so eventually he's got to stop. And this is one of those times. They complained about not having any water. He gave them some water. He, they complained about a lot of things. We need some meat. We need some bread. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but he wants to rid himself of not only their complaints, but ours as well. Even in the New Testament, we need to, as, as a part of the church of God, we, we need to stop the complaining. It's really just not healthy. It's not good for us. Um, prayer requests are one thing. Lifting up holy hands without wrath to the Lord you know, before every prayer session should, you know, should start with worship. That's why we do worship here. Before we're able to and ready to receive God's word, we need to begin to worship God. Not just sing along, but truly worship him in spirit and truth and love him with all of our hearts. And then we're ready and open and soft, you know. The soil of our hearts been tilled up to receive the word of God, the seed of God's word into our hearts that it might grow. Otherwise, it's going to bounce, it's going to land on that hard, rocky soil, and it's not going to have deep roots, and anything's going to tear it up. People can come. It could be even in the car on the way home. Wasn't, wasn't God's word and stupid today, you know? And the, the, the seeds get just plucked out by the birds of the air. Or, oh, that was great. Wasn't that great? But your soil wasn't plowed up enough for the word to get deep into your heart. It just kind of sat there on the surface. And then when the sun comes out, and even though it started to take root, and it might have bore fruit, as soon as that sun comes out, it fries. It fries those roots and dies. And so God wants to get rid of those complaints, not only in the nation of Israel, but in our own hearts. And so that's something we need to start with. With prayer, we worship first. And then make your requests be made known to God. And they are requests, you know, instead of demands. They're requests. Verse 6, So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. Uh, for each leader, according to their father's houses, twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass in the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted, had put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod and went home. God doesn't write that down, but it's time to just, I'm going to go back to my tent now. Because, I mean, it didn't, you know how you see some of the coloring pictures in the, in the children's ministry? Maybe you've never seen this picture here. It's usually a rod, a stick with a couple leaves and some almonds, and it's an artist's rendition. I bet he came out with a bush. I bet this thing was just, whoa, you know, and here's these spindly dead sticks in the other hand. Does anybody have any questions about this anymore? We all took 12 dead sticks in there, and out comes this amazing, miraculous sign from God that from that dead stick comes life. It's beautiful. It's fruitful. You know, it's green. It's lush. Um, that's the life of, that we have in Christ. It's beautiful. It comes alive. It bears fruit. It's lush. It's not just a twig with a few leaves on it, you know. I bet he came out with a shrub. And he shows it to the people. And they each took their rod. And that's a humiliating thing. But you wouldn't be humiliated if you hadn't thought that your rod should be the one to bloom. If you just accepted what God had decided upon, 
See, I don't have to put myself into humiliating situations where God has to set me down at the lower end of the table. He tells us that in the New Testament. When you come to the table, take the lowest seat that the host might say, no, 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 friend, you're way way too low on the food chain. Come on up to the best seat at the table. I want you to sit right by me. Then you have a walk of honor. Whereas those who sit right beside the guests and saying, I think if I sit here, maybe no one will notice and I'm right by Jesus. And he's got to say, oh, uh, yeah, there's a place card there and it doesn't have your name on it. That's for Bob you know, and then you got to walk of shame instead. It's up to us, you know, um, but God will do it either way. Um, people are going to sit where they're going to sit. Um, he's going to put people where he wants to put people, and um, that's hard for some. So this is a walk of shame. This is a difficult walk back to their tent with each man and his dead stick in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels. Um, you hear what they're called? That's their, that's their new title. Make sure you keep that rod on hand for those, so it's a testimony against the rebels. Hmm. That you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. See, that's what the plague was. Remember last week, if you were here, the plague was moving through the camp because of their complaints, because of their rebellion against God. And Aaron had to run out there and do his incense thing right between the dead and the living people and stop it and 13,000, 14,000 people got killed by this plague. And so God says, you know, let's put their complaints away from them lest they die. It's, it's, it's detrimental to them for them to continue in that rebellion. They're not going to do well, you know. Um, that, that is what happened in the garden. Um, you've got the knowledge of good and evil, and you, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you've got every other tree. And I don't want you to eat of this tree alone. It's not good for you to eat of that tree um, it's going to bring death to you if you eat that tree. And so where do they go? They go to the tree and they eat of it. And that's still true today. That's why he says in the New Testament, I want you to be ignorant of evil. I don't want you to be knowledgeable of evil. I don't want you to delve into it. I don't want you to, well, I've I got to know what I'm fighting against. God's never called us to know what we're fighting against. He hasn't. He's never said, I want you to get as far into this occult stuff as possible without being tainted by it, and then you'll know what you're up against. We're not up against anything. God is, and he knows all things. He's never called us to be knowledgeable about evil. And so steer clear, even today, of that knowledge of good and evil. It's still the same tree. It's just a different shape, different way, different, a different look to it. Stay away from that. And so I want you to keep this stick. Now, I imagine this stick just kept on producing. I mean, it doesn't tell us that, but I bet it was lush always. Every time they'd pull it out, every time they'd look at it, there it was. I don't think it ever withered up, you know, and died. There was always ripe almonds on it. It was always beautiful to look at. Um, and that was just a sign for the rebels to know. And so here's what they, okay, so what did, we, what did we hear today from this? We heard that God said, it is, a, it is to your advantage that I have this guy over you. It's to your advantage that you follow uh, my leading, it's your advantage. All this stuff is for you so that you don't die, right? Here's what the children of Israel hear. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, Surely we die. We perish, we all perish! Exclamation point. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? That's what they heard. No, you're not all going to utterly die. In fact, that's the point of this whole exercise that we just did this morning. So that you don't die. Sometimes that's what we hear. I'm, I'm stopping you. 
I'm stopping you from going in this direction. I'm turning you around to go in a different direction. I'm doing, God says, I'm doing these things for you. And what do we hear sometimes? God won't let me. Or uh, I, I've totally blown it with God. I can never come before God again as long as I live. You know, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm just turning you around like a dad does, you know. No, 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 that's the street, <laughs> you know. Go the other way. Go to the backyard. There's nothing wrong in the backyard. you got all the play area you got. That's dangerous over there. So I'm turning you around. Dad's mad at me. He hates me. Dad's never going to be my friend. No, I just kept you from dying from the garbage truck coming down the street, you know. we got to hear God for his, with his heart. you got to understand God's heart. I think we do. But when he does those things, to not throw that powder, have that conversation with him like they do here, you know, it's okay. Um, it's okay to be wrong. Um, just admit it, you know, with the Lord. Um, boy, that was a mistake. Yeah, thank, thank you for protecting me, you know. I pray those prayers all the time. I assume you all do too. God, keep me from doing something stupid. That's about all I need to pray every time I pray. God, just keep me from doing something stupid. And then when he does, I'm not going to complain about it. Thank you for keeping me from doing something stupid. You know, I want to do your will. I want to be led by you. I don't want you just to be my savior. I have my back pocket because I received you when I was six, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to trust you with all of my decisions. I want to walk with you. And I don't want to be verses 12 and 13 about it. You know? Chapter 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Okay, he's laying it out again. Now that we've established that the, your rod bloomed and nobody else's did, let me go over this again with you. You're going to be the priests. Also, bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that, you may be joined, uh, that he may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons uh, are with you before the tabernacle of witness. So there's you guys doing this, and then there's your support team. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die. They and you also. i got some rules here. I want you guys to do this. You're the ones that can touch the articles. They can come along and help you, but they can't touch the articles. So it's basic stuff. And nobody needs to be upset about it. They just need to say, okay, here's my place. Here's what God has anointed me to do. And not, com you know, not complain. And, and they don't, for, for a while anyway. Um, they're going to help you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. In other words, provide the services of those sacrifices that we've gone over several times so that uh, their sins can be forgiven and covered. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you. <laughs> I'll let that sink in. They were supposed to hear that. These folks are a gift to you. They're not your enemies. They're not freeloaders. They're not anything you might think they are except this. They're a gift from God for you. They are ministering on your behalf to me, God says, and I will speak to them and they will tell you what I say. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful work um, that they're doing. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood, everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. See, we're all called kings and priests in Revelation chapter 1 as, as believers. Whether the world wants to know it or not, we're a gift. 
as Christians, we're supposed to be anyway. I think maybe that depends on the day, but we're supposed to be like Christ to those around us, good, bad, or ugly. We're supposed to be. And um, we're a gift to them. Now, they don't necessarily see it like that, and most people of the worldly mindset don't see Christians as a gift. They see them as a hindrance. They're in the way of what I want to do. They really believe the Bible. They really follow his law. They really love God and worship God. That's just weird, you know, to them. And so they don't always appreciate it. They don't always understand it. Um, They will when we get raptured, when we get taken home to be with the Lord. They're going to realize that void that we leave behind, that restraining force of the Holy Spirit in our lives on this earth. When that gets taken away and evil fills in that hole that we leave behind, they're going to know. And uh, I don't mean to, you know, I'm not vindictive about it. It's just they need to appreciate it, but they don't. They need to get saved. Um, And that's kind of the picture here that we have of them. They can't come near the things of the Lord. They've got to get saved. You have to be born again. You have to be a dead branch that's come to life by the power of God, by the miraculous work of God, bearing fruit, fruitful, like a shrub, lush. That's the picture we have here. And so they're called to do that, and so are we. We don't want to be negligent in our responsibilities as Christians, as priests. I mean, I don't wake up every morning and, you know, say that. I don't put a name tag on that says, priest of the Most High God, you know. Um, it's just not terminology we use. And yet, I go out to represent him. I'm supposed to go out and minister and serve anybody, especially the unbelievers, that they might know him. And uh, I don't want to be negligent. I don't want to just be happy with the tunic and the hat that I got, you know, and this really cool breastplate that God gave me with all these colorful stones. They all have a purpose, you know. Sometimes we spend a lot of time memorizing the colors of the stones, Forgetting that these are the lights of perfection we're supposed to use to pray on behalf of the people and get answers from God to give to the people. You know? The Word of God is great to memorize and to know and to understand your doctrine, but it's also for use. And in the right hands, the hands of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God is a sharp two edged sword that cuts between the joint and the marrow, between the soul and the spirit. And people get saved, you know? And that's what it's for. That's what we're called to. Now, verse 8 And the Lord spoke to Aaron. Here, I myself have also given you charge of my heave offerings. All the holy gifts of the children of Israel I have given them as a portion to you and your sons, as an ordinance forever. This shall be uh, yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every uh, offering of theirs, every grain offering, every sin offering, and every trespass offering which uh, they render to me shall be most holy before you and your sons in a most holy place. You shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. Uh, it shall be holy to you. And he goes on to describe that. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, he's going to go into detail now about this. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift, with all the wave offering of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine, and the grain, their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. Nevertheless, 
the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. In other words, you don't get to keep them. They're not yours. We're not doing human trafficking here. Um, you're not going to be slaves, but you do, they do redeem them. And he describes that. And those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation, for five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 uh, geras. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, and the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave uh, breast and the, thigh, and the right thigh are yours. Now, here's the important part of this. All the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offered to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. Salt is imperishable. It goes on and on. It lasts. Um, and so that's the idea of, behind, of, of saying that. Your, the ordinance I've given you here, this promise that I've given you, um, this provision that I've given you is a salt deal. In other words, it doesn't ever perish. There's no expiration date on this. Um, you can do it. And of course, we're salt of the earth. We're called to that. Um, this is a promise. As long as we're here, that's what we do. That's what we do on this earth. We are a preservative, and we're to bring flavor as a church, as Christians. Um, God's given us life and that more abundantly in Christ, and we're called to that in this world, to uh, not to be extravagant, but to be uh, lush, you know, a joyful life, a full life, an amazing life, um, a, a satisfied life, a, a gracious, merciful life. We're, we're called to that. Um, and people are to, to witness that. And, that. and that's our calling forever. That's not something that ever fades away or ever expires. Um, we're all called to that. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in, in their land. Nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, and your inheritance among the children of Israel. He doesn't want us to be entangled with this world. I don't want you to be entangled. Um, I don't want this place to be your, your destination or your inheritance. I don't want you to look around and say, I'm going to grab as much of the brass ring as I can, you know, while I'm here on this earth. Um, no, I'm your inheritance. In fact, I don't want you to have any inheritance here. I want, I want to be all and all to you, all of it. Verse 21, behold, I have given the children of Israel, uh, children of Levi, excuse me, all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform. The work of the tabernacle of meaning. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meaning, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meaning, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be as a statute forever. Throughout their generations, that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance for, their, for the tithes or the tenths of the children of Israel, uh, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord. I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. I mean, I know he repeats himself, but he's trying to drive it home. And, I mean, just witnessing this whole rod thing, you know he's got to say these things this way. Did you hear me, you know? The tithe, everything you give these guys, it's theirs. It's theirs, you know. Um, give it to God, and they get to use it. It's okay, you know. He's just trying to drive that home to them. Um, it's, you know, even, even in the church today, that's a difficult thing for people. 
Um, sometimes they use their tithe like a, like a tool, um, unfortunately. Um, if I like you, I tithe. If I don't like you, I don't tithe. You know, if I'm happy, then I tithe. If I'm not happy, then I don't tithe. And that's never been the purpose. And God says, I want, to, I want you to be joyful, joyful, uh, a cheerful giver. Um, and says, otherwise, keep it. I don't want your money if you're, not, if you're not cheerful. And so when you withhold that, when you stop doing that, it seems like that's the last thing God gets a hold of in people's hearts is their wallets. And, and it's the first thing to go when they're upset with God. It's, it's, it seems to be that way. That act of worship, the tithe, just tends to be that way. And although God says, I love a cheerful giver, that isn't an excuse for me to say, well, I'm not cheerful today. No, he's trying to get something across there. Why aren't you cheerful? I'm your God. I saved you from death. You're living with me forever. I've given you a mansion in heaven that I'm preparing for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm coming back to get you and take you there. You know. So what is it that you're upset about now today? Well, you know, and, and the complaints come out, you know. Okay, so let's get back to being cheerful again, you know. And so... He's just relating this to the people. Everything that, you know, because that's how it is. We're always giving money. What are they doing with that money up at the tabernacle? You know, um, I see they put another tent on. What in the world do they need that for? And you, know, you get the complaints, even back then probably. And so God, God drives this home. I'm sure they talked like that. Uh, God brings this home to them. Look, let it go. If you're going to give it to God, give it to God. Don't ransom God. You know, don't dangle the carrot. Don't use it as a bribe. Verse 25, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord. Um, a tenth of the tithe. So you've got to tithe off the tithe, guys. You Levites, when you get the tithe from the people, the tenth, then you give a tenth to me. Okay? So, but then you get the 90%. You keep it, you know. Um, for the tabernacle, for the maintenance of it, for all that stuff. Use it, and, and so on. And for yourselves, and for your families, and for your wives. Um, and, you know, we just went over that on Wednesday nights with Paul, and, and, and as he wrote First Corinthians, and he's telling the guys, it's, it's okay. Um, you know, it's okay to take, take a salary. It's all right. Even you, and you can bring along a believing wife and everything, you know. Um, it's, not, it's not just for your traveling expenses. It's for your provision for your families and, and so on. So he says, but when you get this money, don't forget to tithe it back. Don't forget to tithe off the tithe. And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron's or to Aaron the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord, from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them. Therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine, uh, wine press. You may eat it in, its, in, a, in a, any place you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall bear no sin because of it uh, when you have lifted up the best of it. Uh, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel lest you die. So there's a little check there. Make sure you use that properly. Don't profane it. Don't use it for weird things, you know, 
Um, use it for your family like you're supposed to, but don't be weird with God's money and don't be sinful with it. But don't feel sinful. That's the point of that. Um, tithe up what you're supposed to tithe up out of the tenth that they give to you, and it's not sin for you. You know, Just try to drive that home to them, because I imagine there is some guilt. As you see everybody out there farming away, moving rocks out of the field, you see them just bring this stuff to the door. Now, these guys worked hard. Um, I mean, from sunup to sundown, these guys were offering up offerings and sacrifices. It's not easy. Um, I, I, I would imagine... I think about some of the folks in our church. We've got, I think we have two that do butchering um, for people um, and the work they do and how hard that is um, and how dangerous it is for one thing, but not, probably not these guys. But, um, but it's a lot of work from sunup to sundown, butchering an animal, 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 animal. Um, and God says, hey, don't feel guilty about it. You are working. You're doing your job. You know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so he drives that home for them. And that's what we close this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, as J.C. prayed earlier, your word is true. And even in this Old Testament, in this book of Numbers, these things are for us. We can learn so much from it. Um, your anointing, your calling, um, your tithe, it's just giving back what you've already given to us. All these things are important. Um, and, and we need to be taught. Um, we need to be reminded of these things. Um, lest our hearts start to go down a path they shouldn't go down. And um, we, I guess that's our prayer. It was at the beginning too. God, keep us from doing anything stupid. Don't let us do things that are uh, um, against you, God, that are contrary to your will, that are contrary to your, your, your calling um, and uh, your plan and your path and all these things, God, in our lives. Um, protect us from our own hearts and minds. Um, guard us from vain imaginations and, and things that can cause divisions and all. Um, we just want to be yours. We want to rest in your word. Um, if there's anything wrong with any of this, that's up to you to straighten out. Um, that's something you take care of, and we can rest. Um, that's the only thing we want on our minds when we worship you, in whatever form that takes, uh, whether that's with singing or studying your word or in tithing or whatever it may be, we just want you on our minds. We don't want to have to think about anything else or worry about it. And you freed us up from that. That All we have to do is look you in the face, because we can now, through your son Jesus Christ, and worship you in spirit and truth. The results are yours. They're up to you. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for this place. We thank you for this ministry and what you're doing here. Um, we thank you for the people's lives that are being affected by your Holy Spirit and your word and the work you're doing. It's exciting to see you restore what the locusts have eaten and lives getting changed and turned around and maturity taking place, God, and growth. Thank you for that, God. We pray that you continue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.